Episode of Hitting Paydirt by Impact Sports. This is episode number 45, and I'm Alex Beaudry. Happy Masters Thursday to all of you golf fans out there. Hello, friends. Um, super pumped to uh, check out the tournament today. It's a big day in this household. Um, so, can't wait to see it. Uh, it's going to be a little bit crazy this year. You got Tiger playing, <laughs> just watching, watching the crowds follow him around just for practice rounds. It's going to be nuts down there in Augusta. The weather looks beautiful, uh, especially sitting here in gloomy Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So, uh, looking forward to it. So hope, hopefully all of you get to sit down and enjoy some time and watch some great golf being played and what is the greatest major every year. But I digress, and we we turn to the world of football, and I wanted to focus this morning on a topic that I've been given a great deal of thought, which is player empowerment. And what I mean by player empowerment is the player's ability to move when they want to move, and more specifically for this topic, the amount of guaranteed money in football. So <clears throat> when you compare the NFL to specifically the NBA, it's really not even close. Um, if you follow the NBA at all, if a superstar wants out, not only do they get out, they they generally get to pick what team they get traded to, uh, which is just absolutely fascinating. So you think of uh, James Harden. He wanted out. He got out. Not only did he get out, he went to a super team. Well, they haven't really delivered, uh, but they went to, you know, he went to Brooklyn where he paired up with Kyrie and Durant. Uh, LeBron has moved several times in his career. Um, Anthony Davis wanted out of New Orleans. He ends up in L.A. with LeBron. They win a championship. So the NBA has their superstars have true power where if they don't want to be in a city anymore, they just get moved. And most of the time they get moved to a team that they want to be on with other superstars and they can create this roster that can make a deep run in the playoffs, if not win a championship. The NFL historically has not seen that. Um, and, you know, there's been some talk that it's starting to change I don't know if we're quite there yet. If you go back to 2021, uh, Russell Wilson wanted out, Deshaun Watson wanted out, Aaron Rodgers wanted out, and they all had to stay put. Now, fast forward 12 months, Deshaun Watson got moved, despite having 22, 22 allegations of sexual misconduct against him. Russell Wilson moved, and both of those guys had a full trade clause. And in Deshaun Watson's standpoint, it basically made him a free agent where he had three, four teams that were all interested in signing him. And that ended up being a huge, and I mean huge, benefit to him. Um, because he created a bidding war, he was able to basically write his own contract. He got $230 million fully guaranteed 
They dropped his year one salary down to the league minimum, still gave him a big signing bonus, so he's still going to get $45, $46 million this year. And if he gets suspended, which in all likelihood is coming, at least six games, if not longer, he's going he's gonna to pay peanuts compared to what he would have even paid had he remained in Houston. If he would have got suspended for, I believe, his salary in Houston, I think it was like $30 million, $35 million, somewhere in there. So if you get suspended, you know, six games, eight games on that contract, you know, you're looking at millions and millions of dollars in missed earnings due to your suspension. And now in Cleveland, he doesn't have to worry about that. He gets suspended half the year. He's going to pay $500,000 or he's going to miss out on $500,000 in paychecks, not to mention uh, there's language in his contract that a suspension will not void future guarantees, which is huge. That's huge for him, uh, especially since his entire contract is fully guaranteed. Um, and he won't have to give back any signing bonus proration. So by him creating a bidding war, he got to write his own contract. And in the in, in the time that that happened, he may have he may have created a better market for other quarterbacks. And we'll talk about that. I do wonder, though, had Deshaun Watson not had 22 allegations of sexual misconduct, would the Texans have chosen to move on from him? If you remember last year, he had a hold-in and I use that term specifically because you remember the days of the Le'Veon Bells and the, you know, pick your favorite superstar athlete who was unhappy with their contract. They would hold out. They wouldn't come to camp. They'd miss preseason games. Um, Le'Veon Bell sat out an entire year uh, in order to sit for a new contract. He was upset with the Steelers that he got franchise tagged. He wanted a long-term deal. That, with the new CBA that was signed in 2020, will never happen again. Not only will you lose your salary for being suspended, you will lose signing bonus money. You'll have to pay the team back. You'll lose a proration of your signing bonus. And you can be fined like up to $50,000 a day. It's too expensive. So what you'll see is players doing hold-ins. They'll show up to camp. You know, I'm here. Uh, but, you know, hey, my hamstring's tight. I'm just not going to work out. Um You'll see that more often. And that's what Deshaun did. And I think the Texans were fine with it, given the PR nightmare that was Deshaun Watson last year with all of these allegations of sexual assault. So he sits all of last year. The Texans struggle, of course. You're, you're Not many teams, especially with a roster like that, can bounce back from losing a top-five quarterback in the league. But they were happy to let him sit. It didn't cost him very much money. He was only making, he was only like a $10 million cap hit last year. Now that number is going to explode. I wonder if because of his off-the-field allegations, they were willing to say, you know what, we just don't want to deal with this anymore. We'll get a, we'll get a bunch of picks, which they did, and we'll just, we just don't have to deal with this guy. Would that have been the case without the sexual assault allegations. I don't know. I don't know. I think 
if I put myself in the Texans' shoes and my star player doesn't want to be there, I don't know if I'm so willing to trade him. You know, let him sit. Let him rot. Fine. I'm not going to make other teams better. Um, And for every year that he decides not to play, his contract doesn't move. So he's stuck with me. And I, I would love to have been a fly in the wall in those conversations down in Houston. Um, I, I do wonder how much of this had to do. And if it did have to do with his sexual allegations, it's kind of a disgusting situation where Deshaun's Watson's own alleged bad behavior ended up benefiting him in so many different ways. He got to get out of Houston, which is what he wanted. He got a better contract, and it's fully guaranteed. Oh, and by the way, we know the suspension's coming, uh, but don't worry, we'll set it up in a way that's going to save you a ton of money. <laughs> so... He's the big winner in all of this, and um, and in and in a way, he may have changed the market, and we'll talk about that. So, getting back to this idea of player empowerment, I I went back and I looked at how much money was spent in free agency versus how much of that was fully guaranteed, and how much of that was spent was guaranteed at signing. So, basically, signing bonus and other bonuses. Um, to get a sense over the last four seasons, have we seen an explosion in guaranteed money? Because again, from the player movement side, we have Deshaun, we have Russell Wilson, and most recently we have Tyreek Hill, which was an interesting one and one that did surprise me. So Kansas City was attempting to re-sign Tyreek Hill to an extension. They weren't going to pay anywhere near $30 million. So Tyreek said, fine, I want out. I want the money. And so Kansas City traded him, which that is player empowerment. When a, when a player still has another year on his contract, yet he wants out and the team moves him, that is player empowerment. Russell Wilson wanted out. They moved him. Um, Devontae Adams he wanted out, but I don't know if it's the same because he was he was on the franchise tag. The Packers knew they were on borrowed time anyway, so they had to move on, and I think the fact that they were able to get two draft picks for him, a first and a second round pick, I don't know if that's the same level of player empowerment, but it's hard to deny that Tyreek Hill and Deshaun and Russell Wilson, they all wanted out, and they all got out, and they all had years on their contract left. That's player empowerment. So from a movement standpoint, we're starting to see it. Now, will that trend continue? We'll see. It hasn't in the past, but again, maybe the NFL is catching up to some of these other leagues. All right. So let's look at this now in the context of contracts and guaranteed money. Because remember, in the NFL, there... It's not like the NBA or Major League Baseball where, you know, a guy signs a four-year, $100 million deal. In baseball and in the NBA, that is a four-year, $100 million deal. It's fully guaranteed. You know, it's a true contract. In the NFL, it doesn't work that way. You know, and it's always fascinating. And as an agent, I completely understand it, but it's always fascinating what gets reported in the media for a contract. And let me give you the best example. And it's a contract that even I 
probably made more of than it should have been, but let's look at Christian Kirk from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he signed a four-year, $72 million deal, average annual salary of $18 million. That is a massive deal for Christian Kirk, for a guy who you know, was always kind of the second, maybe even third option in Arizona. He goes to Jacksonville and is getting true wide receiver one type money at $18 million per year. And four for 72, you're thinking, man, that is massive. You know, Jacksonville way overpaid. But then you kind of dig into it. He got a $20 million signing bonus, which, you know, really isn't that high. And only $37 million of that is is guaranteed. So really, if Jacksonville wants out of this contract, they can get out of it after two years. So this could totally end up being a two- for $18.5 million deal, which, again, if you're Christian Kirk, is great. <laughs> I mean, to make $37 million over two years f- for him, based on his you know, statistics and his performance up to that point, would still be a good deal. But it's not a true four for $72 million. So when you're looking at NFL contracts, all that really matters is guaranteed amount. You know, same with, you know, Devontae Adams. He gets that massive deal. What was it? Four or five for 142. Five for 142, I believe it was. But you got to look at the amount of guarantees in it because the years that that come after the guarantees end, that can end at any moment. Players get cut all the time. They get cut for salary cap purposes. Look at uh, Zadarius Smith with the Green Bay Packers. He had a $27 million cap hit this year. So the Packers just said, okay, we're done. And they cut him. And he doesn't get any of that money now. Um, you know, he's already got what he, what he he has, what he received in cash up to that point, but the Packers decided to move on. And now he's, um, you know, playing in a different city. And that happens all the time. So, you know, when I look at this idea of player empowerment, I, w- I wanted to go back and see, are we seeing a rise in guaranteed dollars? So I went back all the way to 2019. So I looked at the last four seasons and I looked at and I got all this data from spottrack.com. So, you know, shout out to them. They do a great job and they got some pretty cool tools for their premium members. So I would encourage you to check it out if you're a nerd like that, like into this stuff like I am. So in 2019, um, and I'm looking at just the free agency period. So not guys that were extended with their teams. Um, but guys that switched teams in free agency. There were $2.5 billion in contracts during the free agency period in 2019. $1.18 billion of that was guaranteed. So that's 46.6%. In 2020, there were $2.3 billion, so a $200 million drop in free agency spending. $1.25 billion of that was guaranteed. So a drop in total spend, but an increase in guarantees, that percentage jumped to 53.3%. In 2021, amazingly, if you ask me, coming out of COVID and not being sure if fans would be in the stands again, (laughs) because if you remember, go back to March of 2021, we're a year into COVID, it's not slowing down. Uh, If anything, it's picking up. But the, but the owners stepped up. They spent $2.6 billion in contracts. $1.37 billion of that was guaranteed, uh, 
And then this this past March, two point four billion dollars in spending, one point two seven billion guaranteed. That's fifty two point nine percent. So if you look at those percentages, while it has increased since twenty nineteen. As a percentage, 2020 was actually the highest year. Now, maybe that's because teams are you know, still trying to pick up the pieces after COVID. We actually saw a salary cap decrease one year. That hasn't happened in forever. I don't expect it to happen probably ever again, looking at where these media deals are coming in. Um, so maybe some of, the, you know, some of the spending and some of the guarantees is due to that. But if you just look at it from a percentage standpoint, 2020 was the highest year. And we've kind of been hovering around that 52 to 53% now for the last three years. So will that continue to expand? Maybe, but I don't, I don't know if it will. So when I look at the, just the pure contract numbers, the Deshaun Watson deal, if you look at it from a, from like my point of view as an agent, or if you are a player, it's fantastic because now the door is open Guys like Herbert, guys like Burrow, um, Lamar, they all have to be licking their lips because their money should be fully guaranteed. Uh, and quarterbacks have all the leverage. Is a team like Cincinnati, who's just been searching for years to have their 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 franchise quarterback? I mean, no offense to Andy Dalton, but you know you get a, a generational talent in Joe Burrow, or if you're the Chargers, you get a generational talent in Herbert. Are you really going to let these guys walk because you don't want to pay them fully guaranteed money? Hard to imagine. So, um, you know, Watson may have upset the market there. Maybe that will help tick these numbers up because quarterback contracts are certainly going to be the largest. But if you are the other positions, so non-quarterbacks, we're not seeing that giant leap in guaranteed money. So over the same four-year period, I went back and looked at by position. Is there a certain position group that is doing better than others? Not, not really. <clears throat> so if I look at, um, going again back to 2019, if I look at it by position, um, the top two positions for guaranteed money in 2019 were defensive end at 57% of contracts and strong safety at 59%. In 2020, it was right tackle, 60%, outside linebacker, 61.7%, quarterback, 66%, and then defensive end at 61.5%. Those are all percentage of, of percentages of the contract that were guaranteed. In 2021, again, strong safety, 65%, quarterback, 59%, wide receiver, 59%. And then in 2022, defensive tackle, 67.5%. Quarterback sixty three percent and tight end sixty one percent. So since twenty nineteen, no position group had a you know percentage guarantee higher than sixty seven and a half percent, and that was actually led by defensive tackles this past year. So not much swing there either. Now let's look at guaranteed contracts in all of football. And we'll start first with the quarterbacks and we'll look at a percentage. So obviously the leader in the clubhouse is now Deshaun Watson at $230 million, fully guaranteed, 100% guaranteed. Rodgers has the next biggest number of guarantees. That's at 101 million. Look at that gap, 230 to 101 million. <clears throat> now I will say that Rodgers deal 
was only for three years. You know, Deshaun's over five. So there, there, there's that piece to it. But still, $230 million in guarantees versus 101 is the next highest. And 67% of Rodgers' contract is guaranteed. Josh Allen has $100 million in guarantees. That's 38% of his contract. Mahomes, Mahomes' contract is weird. It's unique. So he's got $63 million in guarantees at signing. He has $141 million practical guarantees, but his percentages at the $63 million is 14% of his contract, and $141 million is 31% of his contract. So him and Josh Allen both have very low guarantees, which is interesting. It's interesting from the standpoint that those are arguably the top two quarterbacks in a stacked AFC and if something catastrophic were to happen to them, they're really not protected. Those are very team-friendly deals for quarterbacks of their caliber. And I wonder if both of those guys wouldn't want to redo seeing where the market's going. Or maybe not. You know, Mahomes wants to win. Allen wants to win. He's setting his team up for success, but in the meantime, taking on a lot of risk. Dak Prescott has $95 million in guarantees. That's 59% of his contract. And then Matt Ryan has $94.5 million in guarantees. That's 63% of his contract. So outside of Deshaun Watson, who's now kind of upset the apple cart, we don't have any other top-tier quarterbacks who has more than 70% of their contracts fully guaranteed. Again, will that change? The owners are going to argue it no. Cleveland went above and beyond. That's not the market. I think if you're a agent for one of these quarterbacks, though, you're going, you know, show me the money. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, we'll just test free agency. And I also wonder if this means that you'll see more quarterbacks getting franchise tagged because, you know, teams might be willing to do that. I think about that in the context of Lamar Jackson. If Lamar truly wants $240 million fully guaranteed and, and Baltimore is not willing to kind of pay that kind of money, I could see them, you know, doing almost prove it deals and saying, all right, well, we're going to tag you. And then even if you double tag them, you're still paying that kind of money fully guaranteed anyway, and you can do it over a shorter period of time. I wonder how that will look. The franchise tag is still a massive tool for management, for teams. Um, and it, it may come into play now if quarterbacks are, are seeking 100% fully guaranteed deals. Okay, that's quarterbacks. Everybody knows quarterbacks get paid. It's the best position in football from a money standpoint. What about non-quarterbacks? So the leader in the clubhouse is TJ Watt. $80 million in guarantees. That's 71% of his contract. So that was that was a record-setting deal he signed last year. Um, a fantastic number. Um, really a huge step forward for non-quarterbacks. That 71% number is huge, and it's, it's the highest non-quarterback number. It, it would honestly be the highest number had Deshaun Watson not signed his deal, um, or from a percentage standpoint, I mean. Joey Bosa, $78 million in guarantees. That's 58% of his contract. Um, Stanley from Baltimore, the tackle, he's got $64 million in guarantees. That's 65%. Uh, Bakhtiari, tackle from Green Bay, 
61.5 million, 67%. And then Khalil Mack, 60 million at 42.5% of his contract value. So, you know, even the best non quarterback players, you know, they're getting between 60 to 70% of their contracts fully guaranteed. If we look at the wide receiver market, because the perception is that that has exploded, and in a way it has, you now look at, you know, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, they're all averaging about 27.5 to $30 million a year, which is much higher than where it used to be. I mean, we're talking quarterback money from just a couple years ago. Um. However, when you look at the percentage of guarantees, that number still has not increased much. If I look at, so Tyreek Hill's got $72 million in guarantees. That's 60% of his contract value. Stephon Diggs, $70 million in guarantees. That's 67% of his contract value. And then Devontae Adams has $65.6 million in guarantees, which is 47% of his value. If I go back to 2020, let's go back a couple years, and we look at the wide receiver contracts. Then you got OBJ, which is $65 million in guarantees. That was 72% of his contracts. Julio Jones had $64 million in guarantees, which was 97% of his contract. And then Hopkins at 42.7 million in guarantees, which was 78% of his contract. So if anything, we've actually taken a step back from where we were just a couple years ago in terms of a percentage of fully guaranteed. Now, again, the total dollars are increasing. You know, you look at OBJ's contract, you know, 65 million was 72%. So he's making 80 million, 90 million, whatever it was. You know, Tyreek Hill's getting four for 120. Devontae's getting five for 142. So the total dollars are increasing, but as a percentage of that being fully guaranteed, we've actually remained kind of stagnant. So it will be interesting, post Deshaun Watson to Cleveland, where does the guarantee market go? Because yes, the overall dollars have been increasing and they will continue to increase with the new media money. Remember, every NFL team has a floor. They must spend certain numbers of dollars every, you know, over a three-year period. So that's the benefit of having a salary cap. It's not like baseball where you have the Dodgers spending $400 million and you have the Oakland A's spending $30 million. Um, teams have to spend at least 89-90% of the um, salary cap over a certain number of years. So the number of, you know, dollars will continue to go up at certain positions or at every position. But what about the percentage of guaranteed? Because that's really remained stagnant over the last handful of years. And as an agent who's looking out for players, guarantees are really what matters most. You look at the, again, you look at the Christian Kirk deal. Yes, it's nice to report four for 72, but you know, that might, he might walk away of that contract only making 37 million, you know, half of what his deal was reported at. So um, that's where I would like to see progress. If we can get more, you know, fully guaranteed deals, protect these players. I understand why owners don't want to do it. I mean, why would you want to do it if you can get away with not doing it? 
But, you know, guarantees are really the only thing that matters. And as a player, it's easy to look at four for 72 and your eyes get real big. But then when you're a, you know, salary cap hit and you get cut, I mean, look at Christian Kirk. If he doesn't produce in the 2024 season, you know, he can get cut. And, you know, they're going to save a $21.5 million cap hit and only take on $10 million of dead cap. That's really low and really easy for a team to do, especially if you're not, you know, producing wide receiver one number. So you're taking on a lot of risk as a player. So we'll see. Um, I hope this provided some insight into, you know, what people are talking about from an empowerment standpoint. From a player standpoint, it's positive that stars are able to move when they wanted to move. Again, was this year an anomaly? We'll see. But you had a lot of big-name movement, and all of them wanted out. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams to a certain standpoint. Um, Aaron Rodgers stayed put, but that seems to have been his choice. Um, Which, as a player, that's what you want. You want it to be your choice. So we'll see if that trend continues. That's a positive step forward for the player's movement. The next step is to guarantee these contracts. And while certain players have tipped the scales, the rest of the league kind of needs to catch up to that. Quarterback is going to be a huge position to watch. But even non-quarterbacks, can we get those percentages up from the 60 to 65% for your top-tier players into the 75-80%? I'd love to see it go to that direction. Um, and then maybe in 5, 10 years, we finally get to a point where our contracts are actually contracts and they're fully guaranteed. That's where I would like to see it go um, for a lot of different reasons, but really to protect the players. So um, I hope you found this insightful. It was kind of fun to do this research. I've been meaning to do this podcast for a while. Um, shout out again to SpotTrack for providing the data. If you are not a member there I would, and you're a nerd like I am, I would strongly encourage it. They have a great website. I know they get some slack, uh, some competition between them and over the cap. Um, but SpotTrack's website is just so much easier to use, in my opinion. So check them out. Um, thanks again for the for the data. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Follow me on the socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Substack, all that good stuff. And this weekend we'll have uh, we'll have Mike back on to break down the news of of the last week. And then on Monday, we'll have another mock draft um, with Meat. Me and him will be uh, breaking down picks 11 through 20. And we got a lot to talk about, especially with that trade between Philadelphia and New Orleans, swapping picks. You know, what's New Orleans going to do with those two picks now? The consensus seems to be they're going to pair those picks to try and move up. Uh, they must be hungry for a quarterback. If they stay put, they must like the middle of the round. Uh, Philadelphia clearly didn't value the middle of the round as much as New Orleans um, and they're going to spread those picks out they now have multiple first round picks over the next handful of years at least the next two years so they're kind of building for the future which is extremely smart um, I think next year's draft class is going to be better so it makes sense to kind of spread those picks out and uh, yeah we'll have plenty to talk about with uh, Klemecki, uh Mr. Meatstick on Monday so stay tuned Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you all later. Perfect.